0: Welcome to the soccer podcast where we talk soccer in Delaware, soccer in the rest of the world, and everything in between. My name is Sebastian, and this week I'm joined here by Dwayne.
1: Sebastian, it's game day.
0: You have, you got, you are at legitimately game day. Um, the game day kickoff, kickoff in t minus seven hours and forty four minutes.
1: Yeah, forty four
0: minutes. That's funny. <laughs> Just to kind of give everybody what time we're recording this. Um, Yeah, you got you got your your first Friday night game of the year.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, first weeknight game of the year, I think, since the year three girls. That's true, yeah. Yeah. It's just a different experience, it's a different vibe, home field advantage. I'm not gonna say that it's home field advantage, but it's home field advantage. That people are allowed to show up to the game. So
0: there you go. Like that's bring the crowd. Hey socially distant, bring the crowd.
1: So yeah, I you know, I was thinking about being obnoxious and pump up music and all that stuff. We'll, we'll, we'll go chill. Well, the next time we do it, we may be obnoxious and bring a crowd.
0: Yeah. 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 I mean, you also got to game in 24 hours after, so you can always do that too. Hey, hey, if you, need it, if you need it, exactly. If you need it. Um. So last weekend was our first weekend of rec soccer, which was really, it was really cool. Um, The pre or the, the discovery program kicked off amazing numbers on Saturday
1: hacked house like people asking where to go and i was like you gotta stand in that line <laughs> and they're like wow
0: yeah yeah it was it was really great to see it what was really cool um what was really cool to see and i saw it on tuesday as well in our in discovery program on tuesday night was all the players that we had that were were out there um all of our players that are helping coach like our, our 08s our 7s um are, are helping coach some of your kids are out there uh coaching it's it is absolutely awesome I love it it's I I turned to chat at one point during training and I was like this is it man like this is what you and I talked about five years ago this is what I wanted I wanted to show up to a field on Tuesday night and see see kids that were training an hour and a half later already there helping the club like that's the club atmosphere I was looking for um, so I'm I'm so happy that we've been able to to achieve that, and and it's it's been really really cool.
1: I think the parents appreciate it too. They appreciate their coaches a little bit more when they see the time and effort that gets put into stuff. Like when you have the kids go out and we start handing them this stuff off a of session planner, and it's like, oh wait, you like yeah set this up, and it's like oh this makes sense because you know especially with the discovery program, you're like you're teaching like colors and where you're running, and it's like oh that's what it looks like when they get older. Right, so um, I mean, I think it just gives insight and appreciation. Definitely a big shout out to all of our players that are helping. A big shout out to Kyle, honestly. Like that organization thing he had going on on Saturday was just crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this field with this coach, you can this feel like boom, 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 boom,
0: Yeah. So yeah, no, that was that was really cool. Um, I was I was very happy with it. Um, I will say that my daughter enjoyed all of twenty minutes of it on the field, and then the, after that she began to wrestle my son. Uh, so that was, that was pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> they show up to soccer practice and <laughs> didn't really do a whole lot of soccer. Uh, but that's what happens when three-year-olds play soccer. It's usually how it goes.
1: Um, well, good thing. well, the also, also the other thing I've seen is that you see kids that don't get it the first year. And we tell parents like, you know, we hate to tell you to do it again. Cause your kid just didn't get it, but do it again. Because, Sometimes the kids use a ball. And they start doing like toe taps. You're like, Dude, "You did. You never did that for eight weeks." When I paid for it, if I bring you home and give you a soccer ball. You do it, and you just see that maturity over you know a couple months of kids that just like grow.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely, and that, that that's been a, that's been a big thing, and, and I think part of it that that also kind of leads into this pre juniors and pre rep academy programs that we have starting tonight as well. Like that's that's the whole point is like. You know those recreational players that want more. We have the ability to now give them a little bit more as well.
1: Yeah, uh, definitely. Anthony and I are excited for those to start. Um, they start this evening. Uh, you know, we kind of revamped it. We have kind of amped it up. We brought in some coaches, um, and uh, hopefully, it's successful. I mean, the numbers look good for the first time, and I think after this first season, I think the numbers are just going to grow because where it's going to travel, they're going to see, going to kind of see that pathway start to develop you know, kind of almost two pathways joining in one.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that'll be, that's going to be really cool. I'm really excited for, for what's to come from those two programs. Um, and then in a week, you know, we, we have a uh, ne- Sunday, the, the 25th. Um, we have our next Delaware union diamonds tryout, um, which is going to be really cool working on, working on solidifying the, the roster for that. So there's roster spots still available, um, so make sure you check out facebook.com slash de union diamonds and instagram at the union diamonds um, and then of course our facebook for, for delaware union facebook.com slash delaware union at instagram at delaware union soccer on twitter at de union make sure you subscribe to the podcast um make sure you leave us a comment tell us tell us how we're doing um there's something you want to talk about drop us you know we'll talk about that in a little bit but uh drop us drop us some movie um some movie lines um or, or some movies that we can review about soccer that'll be something that we probably actually we might start next week um because then after in a couple of weeks we got we got a mother's day show planned so we got a mother's day show in a couple in a couple of weeks as well so we we got we got things coming up in in, in our podcast that are that are pretty exciting um it's awesome yeah and not only that we're, we're we're sitting at episode 42 so uh you know 10 10 left and then we got the big
1: five two that's Shout amazing. out to the most famous 42 in soccer history. Uh, I don't know anybody in the world. I was just saying,
0: say, like, wait, wait. who? I was like, wait, who am who I missing? Who am I, who am I missing? Who am I missing? I don't know. <laughs>
1: uh, no, actually, think, Yaya Toure. Come on.
0: Yaya Toure. Yep, I'll, yep, you're right, you're right. I knew there
1: right. was a 42 somewhere. Yeah,
0: I like, I saw it in my head.
1: I, I saw the city jersey, and I was like, wait, hold on. Like, 42, there is a 42. Yeah, for sure,
0: Dwayne. Um, the fact that we're in April uh, allows us to be able to talk to one of our favorite people in the world because his season just ended, so he's had he has some free time. It's, uh, I think, I think getting a hold, of, getting getting a hold of our guest is almost just as hard as getting a hold of Soccer Dan. Uh, gotta make sure our people talk to his people and and we get our schedule sorted out. Uh, but Coach Mike Barrocaro is back in the podcast coach mike how
2: are you i'm good man i'm tired how are you guys (laughs) we're good we're so excited to have you on um i appreciate it sorry for being like the pope i don't mean to be so hard to get in contact with
0: (laughs) nah you're good you're good listen you're you're a busy man because you've had a you've had a busy couple months so uh so let's uh let's let's dive in on on some blue hens uh soccer here what how was how was the spring season
2: Challenging, for sure, I think would be the first kind of word that comes to mind. Um, you know, there's there's been nothing normal about the past calendar year for anybody. Uh, that certainly goes for student-athletes across the country as well. I think every student-athlete, every school, uh, every program that was trying to come back and have some type of competitive season, there was nothing normal about what they were trying to do. There was nothing routine about it. Um, and I think any competitive athlete would tell you they love their they love their routines, right? So to be thrown out of that is is difficult. Um, you know, listen, it's challenging, but I, I do think with every challenge and with every you know little bit of adversity that you face as an individual or a team, there's always an opportunity to grow, and that's what we tried to impress upon our kids was: listen, let's this isn't going to be easy, and even when we were in the thick of it, you know, you're living in. The difficult times. And you're like, this, this is really hard. Um, but let's keep a big picture perspective. This is an opportunity for us. And, you know, we're outside of our comfort zone now, so let's use this as an opportunity to grow. So, you know, it it, it was difficult for sure guys. Um, it was really, really hard. Uh, I think mentally, physically, emotionally, um, but, At the end of the day, I think it's something that we'll be able to look back on, pull some really important learning lessons out of it, and I think I I do think it'll help us going into the fall.
0: I mean, if if nothing else, I feel like you like not only do you have to play uh, a season completely in a different time frame than you're normally used to, you're playing a much shorter season and probably one of the most one of the toughest schedules you could probably pull together. Uh, I mean, you play Northeastern, North Carolina, Hofstra all back to back to back.
2: Yeah, who
0: scheduled that, man? Oh man, like,
1: soccer dad scheduled. Yeah, so
0: but, fire that. <laughs> but in general, how I I think just in, um, and you and I have talked about this in general, pretty young team, right? Mm-hmm. For for yeah. for this year, so you're you're giving the these players a, a really really good experience as far as like the competition level that you're playing against. I mean, you're three three quality sides. Uh, obviously North Carolina coming in as number two team in the country in general. So you're um, so how is that experience in like for the players? What, what, what do they take? What do they get out of it?
2: You know, I think anytime you get an opportunity to play against some of the best teams in the country um, it's, it's a chance for every kid that walks into that stadium, regardless of how many minutes they play, uh, in the game to, to test their metal, you know, like, Hey, I'm going to have a specific role today. And, um, how do I measure up in that role? So I, I, think it's an opportunity for the kids to just really, um, learn a lot about themselves. And so, uh, you know, the schedule is a difficult one, but I'll tell you, you know, I really, really love this team. Uh, I I love these players. I love their willingness to compete, to try new things, to step outside their comfort zone. And with a young team in a very unconventional season, um, to have the courage to step out against some of the best teams in the country and just kind of put it out there. uh, It says a lot about their competitive character. And, um, you know, I I thought, I thought they did great, to be honest, uh, despite some of those scores, especially in that middle part of the season. Uh, I thought our kids I thought our kids did a really good job of putting themselves out there and allowing themselves opportunities to learn about themselves. And that's, that's part of it, man. That's life. That's
0: what it's all about, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you're there for, for the experience of it to then help them grow for their future. So, um, so what did, how did you coach Taylor and coach Mike uh, adjust to, to the mental aspect of the coaching? I mean, ultimately like, Again, coaching in a, and we're you know Dwayne and I are coaching at the youth level, and that's that's been an investment from a from a mental standpoint. But I can only really imagine at the college level and at the Division One level with all the guidelines you're having to deal with, and 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 in general, just the city of New York it, having almost like a separate set of guidelines in the rest of the state too. So, um, how is how is that part of it? How, you know, and, and I know because I know because you know I've had this conversation. You've talked about in the podcast about how. Um, You know, your core values are such a strong part of part of your program. So, you know, that mental aspect of it plays a big part. So have the three of you had to adjust in general from a coaching perspective?
2: Yeah, honestly, I think it's just a a day by day thing. Like we took a day by day approach to it because you had no idea what that day was going to bring you. Um, I think one of the most unique things about this season was um obviously there's so many factors that you're dealing with right like there's that overarching theme of covid and what are the restrictions and sometimes those things felt those protocols felt like they were changing by the day and certainly they would change by the venue so you might go play at another opponent and their protocols are different right um but then there was also the other things that we because we were so hyper focused on covid going into the semester that you don't think about like weather um you know we're starting the season for the first time ever in January, February, where the weather obviously in this part of the country is not always gonna be on your side. So we were dealing with things like field availability because obviously we couldn't get on our grass fields early in the spring. Uh, But now you're also trying to get on turf facilities uh, that you need to share with 21 other sports at the university. So everybody's trying to use the same facilities and scheduling becomes a nightmare. Um, you have no idea whether or not we have an unbelievable indoor facility, but because of COVID restrictions, you have no idea whether or not you're going to be able to use that indoor facility. Um, then you're, you're walking into training sessions and sometimes minutes before the training session, you're finding out that you're not going to have access to one, two, three, maybe four different players because maybe they failed a daily questionnaire where they have to you know, fill out questions about how they're feeling that day. Uh, so they can come to practice. They might have not passed that, or maybe they tested positive for COVID, or maybe they got contact traced. So now they have to go out and quarantine as a direct contact. Uh, or even we started seeing towards the end of the semester, kids that were getting vaccines. And then we're having some of those immediate side effects that you have from the vaccine. And now mm-hmm. they're out for two days because they spike a the fever or they get chills, things like that. So day by day, things were so different. Um, and, and really, I think in a normal season, you get into your routines, um, you try to control the controllables. And I think what we learned as a coaching staff and as a team really quickly this spring is we had control over nothing. There was nothing that we had control over other than the effort that we brought within the training session. And that was it. Um, we couldn't control the schedule. We were changing practice times by the day. Uh, sometimes dependent on field availability, um, and so there wasn't a whole heck of a lot that we could do to mentally wrap our minds around things. The best thing that we could do is almost remove ourselves from the situation and just show up, and and then within the confines of those ninety minutes, be the best that we could possibly be.
0: And and to be honest, with you, there's something to be said about the and, and we've been working on this uh, this leadership curriculum with our middle school age players. And we've been using, we've been using the the quote of be where your feet are. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we've been, we've been using that. And there's something to be said about learning that. And sometimes not, not that this is something that we all hope would happen or, or, you know, but, and we all hope that we can get past it as quickly as possible, but there's something to be said about the idea of learning about, can you show up at your best in that moment? Because you don't know when the next time you get to show up is Yeah. right. Like, and, and, And at times, you know, sometimes we forget that because we do fall into these routines where, you know, I know I have practiced Tuesdays and Thursdays from 6 to 7.15, sometimes 7.15 to 8.45. And like, that's my normal routine. And sometimes like, it's almost like when you drive there and you don't realize when you get there, how you got there, you just like, you kind of like your body went on autopilot and we forget that. And we sometimes lose the appreciation for the actual essence of being there. And at times at soccer, I had a conversation with uh with some players that I'm I'm coaching in high school this week. We moved the goal, and and a goal was in the mud. Um, so we got we got a little muddy, moved the goal out of the mud, back into the grass. So I told them, I was like, Hey, listen, we have a game tomorrow. By the time you show up to, to the game tomorrow, I expect your cleats to be cleaned. Like, I don't want to see mud on your cleats. And they're like, Why? Who cares? And I'm like, You should care. Because like this is this is what you wear to your game like this is this is the uniform like you don't want to show up and look sloppy yeah like that like how, how you're representing yourself like respect the game itself so like respect the moment of the game um not to mention the the other overarching things what we're trying to teach kids about the idea of like yeah you're lucky enough to have a pair of cleats that have mud on them and if ultimately that mud sticks on and it breaks your cleat at some point mom and dad go get you another pair of cleats beyond that part of it right um like just the idea of just respecting the gate, the fact that you get to enjoy the moment I Had a conversation with a player yesterday. She's like, Oh man, I don't want to do this today. And I'm like, you don't get to choose. I was like, what's the one thing you get to control. And she's like my attitude. And I'm like, exactly. Like you don't get to choose what kind of soccer you get to play today. You don't get to choose. Oh, I only want to play 11 v 11 soccer today. And if I don't play 11 v 11 soccer, I don't show up. Like, you 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 get what you get in that day and enjoy it you have the ability to play a sport that's fun and exciting that you absolutely love why not enjoy that for what it is so the fact that you've been able to do that with your team um and you mentioned the effort part of it which i know is a big part of your 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 culture and the program is, is the idea of effort and, and it kind of leads me to my next point um you had three players that uh, that got all caa uh, honors for third team honors. So can you talk about, uh, can you talk about Sarah, Gabby, and Lauren?
2: Yeah, I get, um, I get emotional when I talk about any of the players, especially over the course of the past year, to be honest, because, um, because things have been so challenging for all these kids. And I, and I recognize that that's not unique to us, that that's something that probably every athlete across the country has been going through. Um, but I think number one, I would say it's indicative of, of their athletic and competitive character, right? Like, I just think that they're, we're talking about high achievers on the field. Um, you know, Gabby is going to be a very difficult player to replace. She's been a three-year captain for us. Um, and she really, in, in many ways is the heartbeat of our team. Uh, Sarah has established herself going from a kid who was probably under-recruited coming out of Maine. To a kid who uh, has now established herself as one of the best uh, attacking players in this conference. And then Lauren Krinsky, who, uh, I mean, her story is as unique as any, right? She spent two years playing behind an all conference goalkeeper and then gets her opportunity to step out and become the starting goalkeeper. Um, And that was an opportunity that she earned. And she then herself carves out um, a career within her first season as a starting goalkeeper, as a, as an all conference goalkeeper. Um, You know, I said it before the season even started. I said, Lauren Krinsky is going to be one of the best goalkeepers in this conference. And, and um, you know, it had nothing to do with me. It had nothing to do with our coaching staff. The kid just puts in the work. And so sometimes when you watch kids compete, you just know, and watching the way that Lauren would apply herself on a daily basis. I'm so happy for her because that story is one that you you don't see it often, but when you see it, you have to appreciate it because kids that start their careers and they're not on the field at the start of their careers, they don't often, it's, it's just very hard to find a way to rise to the top uh, in your peer group when you don't have success, that that type of recognition or success early. So I give her a lot of credit because she paid her dues. She put in the work, uh, she got, she developed over her time here, uh, and now steps into a role that she was clearly very prepared for and, uh, and had a lot of success and it was deserved. It was deserved success. So I'm really, I'm I'm proud of all those kids. You know, I would also say, I think any individual awards that our team garners, um, they're always probably more reflection of the group than they are of just the individual. Um, and that's, uh, and so I, I'd be remiss if I, if I didn't mention the fact that we got a really good group of kids, uh, a really great group of kids that they get it. They're there to support one another. They're there to elevate one another, pick each other up when, when people are down. And, uh, and I think that's an important piece to, to mention as well is that, gabby sarah lauren these things didn't come easy to them and and when they were going through hard times there were people there to help lift them up and and that's an important part of their success stories i think
0: yeah and and i mean uh so lauren led this led the conference and saves and and saves per game which is which is awesome and and i got to when i got to watch one of your training sessions this is pre-covid times mm-hmm. um you know i got to see the the work that that she put in in general and it's and it's awesome because it's not it's not easy right you now sometimes it's goalkeepers have to especially when you know you're you're, you're you don't know if you're playing or not or, or things like that and at a, in the training environment to be able to be that competitive um is really really good to see from a from a goalkeeper perspective and you know gabby got the got the goal in the, in the last game in strexel Um, and Sarah is a player that, uh, I got to like have a quick interaction with when I was at your training session, she came up and introduced herself and anybody that's from Maine to me always gets an A plus in my book, just because I love that state. Um, but, but you could see right away and, and you and I had a conversation in general about that specific moment of just like how awesome that, like to me, again, I love that, that aspect of it that speaks to the culture of your, of your program. Um, but you know, I think, it's it's awesome to see that you're getting the honors but as you said it's it really it speaks about the team um on top of the the individual achievements which is which is really cool so how does that how does that lead into next season what you know what can we expect of the future blue hens
2: yeah i mean i think listen i think results are always going to be a piece of what you look at right and we're, we're at the end of the day we're competing at a highly competitive level so wins and losses have to be something that's part of the equation. They have to be something that you judge yourself on. Um, and although I don't think we had in, you know, a bad spring, um, I think the expectation for our group, from everybody, from me all the way down uh, to all the players is, is that we, um, take a step in the right direction in the fall. I think we learned a lot about ourselves this spring. Um, I think we learned a lot about what works well for our group, what doesn't work well for our group. We learned a lot about our own individual uh, strengths and weaknesses. Um, And I think the the idea now is take all that knowledge, let's go into what's hopefully a more normal fall championship season where we can play, you know, our two exhibitions, our nine non-conference games, our, our, our full conference slate, and let's try to put together a product that I think is more indicative of, um, of who we are as a program, right? I think if you look around the country this spring, the, the, the results, if you look sheerly at results, the results have been crazy. I mean, there's there's teams that are historically really good that have struggled. Um, you know, we were chatting earlier about Stanford. They lost five games this spring. I don't think they've lost five games in the previous five years combined. So things are things are just all over the place. Um, because every school, every county, every state, um, they're all going through these different COVID and they're all living in these different COVID environments. Um, and certainly we weren't, we weren't immune to that. So we had our challenges. Sometimes we handled it well. Sometimes we probably could have handled it better. Um, but regardless, they were all opportunities to learn. So my hope is that we were just a, we're a more, um, competitively mature team, um, in August. Um, I will tell you that as a coach, I learned a ton about this group. And I, I think one of the biggest things that I, that I learned about this group was we do have our core values that are really, that are really consistent, right? Um, but this team is different than our 2019 team. And that's what I learned. I think obviously when you have success in a season, you want to pick up right where you left off. You want to do things exactly the same way and you want to just keep that upward climb going. And I think what I realized is the second you turn over that roster and you lose certain players, you bring in new ones, the identity of how you take those steps forward, it may have to change. And I think our identity is different. I just think we, when it comes to the game, we're a different team now than we were in 2019. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. We just need to embrace that. We need to figure out how to maximize that. Um, and I think we took a great step forward with that going into the last game of the season. Um, and I think that that knowledge of knowing that is going to help us a lot uh, come preseason. But, you know, I will also say that the moment that we're in right now is critical for our team. Like, we are in a place right now where we're giving the players time off before they come back in for preseason at the end of July. Um, and I think we all need that time off, to be honest. Um, we talk a lot about. Um, you know, I was very aware over the past calendar year and very concerned about the emotional well-being of all my players. I wanted to make sure that we were finding that balance between trying to drive them competitively, but also not, you know, super elevate their anxiety levels during what was already going to be a pretty anxious time. Um, something that a lot of people haven't talked about is how difficult the last calendar year has been on coaches. Um, because at the end of the day, living in the moment, I felt very responsible every day for how 30 other people around me felt. And that responsibility is not something that I took lightly and it's not something that, um, I ever passed on, you know, I, I felt like I had to be responsible for it every day, but I'll tell you, Sebastian, it's a weight that weighed on me more than I could probably ever put into, into words, because I just wanted to make sure that I was doing right by my players during a really difficult time every day. And through that, I will tell you, I questioned myself, I questioned every decision that I made, uh, every decision. Um, I questioned myself as a coach, Uh, There was multiple times where I walked out of a training session and said, am I a good enough coach to be here? Um, I questioned myself after every game. Uh, And then on top of it, if you're not having immediate success, then you question yourself even more. (laughs) Um, And so it, it was really difficult. And I think this opportunity here over May, June and July to maybe take our foot off the accelerator a little bit, I think we I think we needed it um and i and i know that i needed it for sure uh and i think it'll all give us a great opportunity to kind of just regroup emotionally uh recharge the batteries and be ready to go come uh come preseason
0: and i think and this is why i love having you on the podcast and in general just just you and i have this have had these kind of conversations before of just like a the vulnerability of it at times um because we we live we live in a world especially in the soccer standpoint that like coaches are not allowed to show any sort of of vulnerability towards themselves right we we constantly talk about our players and we and we we we, we've been talking about the, the and especially in the podcast we've been talking about the mental health aspect of of um of players and and we briefly touched on it on the on the coaches side of things too but you know, I think, and this is the part that I think we still haven't figured out from a, at least from a soccer standpoint, from a coaching education standpoint of like, how do you overcome that? Right. We talk about how we can play out of the back. We talk about how we, we can score goals. We talk about play practice, play models. We talk about licenses. We talk about periodization. Fantastic. No one ever tells you that a, your ability to be a full-time soccer coach, um, ultimately comes at a price that means that the amount of actual soccer coaching that you get to do in comparison to all the other stuff you got to do becomes minimal at <laughs> times, um, which is difficult, right? We all think like, oh, man, I get to coach soccer. All I get to do is you basically you're watching the Amazon show with Mourinho or anybody else where you're just like, oh, man, this guy just gets to sit in his, in his office all day watching soccer and just drawing things up on a whiteboard. Yeah, that's great at that level. The rest of us and the majority of us have to do paperwork, meetings, all these other things that, that we have to do. Not to mention you have all the NCAA, NCAA guidelines you got to deal with, recruiting, all those other things. Um, so which for the most part, there's not a whole lot of a training course to like how to be a professional soccer coach or, or how to manage not only, you know, the X's and O's of the game, but how do you manage the idea of the well-being of your team not to mention you maintaining a life. Cause I think that that's a part that gets forgotten. Right. It's almost like we become it's almost like when when a kid runs into a teacher in the uh in the grocery store, right? They look at the teacher like, what are you doing here? You like you wait, you should you live inside the school, right? Then don't they just lock you up in the closet after you're and then they just bring you out for class? But we live in this world where like, you know, I have uh I've had players ask me, like, oh, like, but don't you just you're like i've had the question of like wait what do you do for a living and i'm like i this is what i do for a living like i run the soccer club what yeah and like the automatic first question is like oh so like did you go to college yeah i did <laughs> like I, I went to school i, I i'm prepared like I, I know what i'm doing and if i didn't it's okay like i could have figured it out too like so like the 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 automatic questioning of like or like well how much do you make look a a i'm not gonna tell you that uh b not as much as you think um <laughs> um so but again and not to mention with on top of that dealing with with family right like because not only are you dealing with covid from your job perspective you're having to deal with covid and all these things from a life perspective right you got two sons and and you know i have two kids uh you know Dwayne has a, a dog and a, and a girlfriend uh <laughs> uh well, um, four times yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh but 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 you're still having to deal with this life stuff right you you're worrying about other people um you know i had for me personally i had both of my grandmothers were here from argentina mm-hmm for three months. And, and so I've had to, like, I had to deal with the fact that like, again, we had to worry about that part of it. Right. Like yeah. now you're dealing with older people in your family coming in and out uh, and, and all these other things. And, and, and like, I became the person in my family that like alongside my mom, um because she works in, um in a senior living facility in Wilmington. Like it, we became the two most like exposed people out of anybody, right? Her for her job. She's indoors every day me because i'm in front of 150 kids every every week um so we became like the most exposed people in our family of like having to like we had to take care of ourselves more than anybody else and again all that weighs on you um so how does it and i know what got me through it was a the support of my family but at the same time the support of our coaching staff so how how important is it for for you coach Taylor and coach Mike to be so close in general, because I know you are close as a, as a, as a staff, how important, how important is that um, when it comes to sharing a little bit of that responsibility?
2: Yeah, I, I think re- obviously I think relationships are everything, right? I think it's what makes the world go around, but especially when you're, when you're stuck in a, in a really difficult situation, you have to be able to lean on the people that are around you. And I think the point that you made was a great point, right? Because over the last over the last calendar year, I could tell you that I've had to quarantine myself away from my own children on three different occasions. So that's three 12 to 14 day quarantines away from my kids because of, um, you know, because of your job. And that takes a toll on you, right? You, you you feel things professionally, you feel things personally, and it's just a lot of pressure. And, and, um, and when you take on a leadership position, I think the best leaders always feel responsible for they're people. And so um, that's a lot of weight to carry. So you need to be able to lean on people. And for me, knowing that I have Taylor and Mike, there has always been big. We do have a really close relationship. We work really well together. I think that's why you've seen the longevity and the staff that you've seen. And it's not for a lack of opportunities. I could tell you that both of my assistant coaches have had opportunities to move on to other jobs and have chosen, have actively chosen to stay here because of the quality, I think of, of the um, of the of the professional and personal life so um i'm really proud of the relationships that we have and and the way that we are able to support one another um because i think it's it's critically important i think you have to have support at home so i could tell you that the support from my family at home means the means the world to me as well it it makes some of those tough times that you go through um quite easier um the support from colleagues is big. I mean, I, I found over the last year, I've been reaching out to colleagues around the country more than I probably ever have in the past and, and vice versa. Um, and then you realize that while some of the things that I'm going through, some of the things I'm feeling, it's not just me, it's everybody. And I think that's important, right? That big picture perspective of you're not weird because this is weighing on you so heavily, what you're feeling is normal. Uh, I think that's, I think that's huge as well. Um, you know, it's, it, I think to be the best at anything, I do think it takes an unbelievable amount of self-awareness. And I think, um, for me, I'm just at a point in my life where this is not an ego thing for me anymore. Um, I'm just going to be very honest, um, with my players and very honest with myself. Uh, and I could tell you even like right now we're going through our individual meetings to close out our semester, right? And in every single individual meeting, I've told every single player, could we have done things better this spring? Could we have done things differently? Probably, but you know, could I have been better this spring? Yeah, I probably could have been better too. Um, and, and, And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You know, this was a really difficult time for all of us. And I think for anybody to walk into this with the expectation of we're gonna be perfect and we're gonna get this thing exactly right, I think even if you look at the teams that are winning right now, they would probably tell you that uh, part of it's luck. And, um, you know, I think it's really important to just be there in the moment with your people. And that's kind of been the leadership style that I've tried to take on over the past year is if you're having a problem as one of my players, or if you're having a problem as somebody on my staff, you know, I'm going to take that problem on with you. I'm not going to make you face that problem by yourself. I'm probably part of the problem too right? So what can I do to help fix it? Because I think all of our problems when you're working in a cooperative setting are usually the result of the collective, not a result of the individual. Uh, so we probably could change things from both facets. Um, you know, the individual could probably do things differently, but I probably could also do things differently too. And and that's okay. You know, I don't, I don't think that means, I don't think that's weak leadership. I think that that's probably honest and in my opinion, honest and smart leadership. And I'm going to I'm going to take on the problems of my players with them. Uh, and I'm going to, you know, take on the, the the struggles of my staff with them. And I'm going to try to better myself to hopefully try to alleviate some of their issues. Um, and I just felt like that was the best thing to do is to not isolate people in their struggles. Uh, and, and as an outsider looking in and say, hey, maybe you should do this. Maybe you should do this. I approached it as what can we do? Can we change something? Can we do something differently? Uh, what do you need? Is there something that I can do to help, um, rather than just giving advice from a distance where I don't have to bear any of the responsibility of it? I think the best thing to do in high stress situations is to share the responsibility, um, and so for me, that's that's what I've tried to do. But I, I'll also say I'm really lucky to have one, a staff that I can do that with, and two, a group of players that I can be honest with and open with. And I don't have to worry about them walking out of the office being like, hey, coach said that he probably would have done a thousand things differently. What a what a crappy coach he is. <laughs> you know, I think they understand that, like, just trying to lead them in an honest way. Yeah. Uh, so I'm lucky because I'm surrounded by people that that take that leadership style the right way, I think.
0: No, that's that's really cool. Um and it, 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 I was thinking about this and I'm, I'm going to kind of change, change courses with it. Like we, we had a plan on what we wanted to do and we're going to, we're going to adjust. Um, So we, uh, so we've been talking cause I think, I think you'll be, you'll be one of the like really cool people to get, like, we'll get your opinion on this before anybody else. So we've been talking about this idea of um, it. It, we, we talked about the the new Mighty Duck show that came out on, on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. Um, and I've been watching it religiously at like 6 o'clock in the morning on Fridays. Um, mostly because I like the Mighty Ducks to begin with, but just the, the idea of the new show. Um, and now a new one that came out today was called The Big Shot with John Stamos. Uh, similar concept. John Stamos uh, was a basketball coach, uh, throws a chair at a referee. Uh, gets kicked like gets fired and now is coaching at a uh, girls' private school in California, which somehow that that makes sense. Um, but but I think, and we started talking about this with Dwayne about like this idea of starting um, we're gonna start reviewing movies. Oh. We're starting gonna start removing reviewing soccer movies and figuring out how realistic or unrealistic they are, partially because uh, we we live in this weird world where, all these sports movies, and I've known. I think. I think. And I think. I'm saying this right. You you showed your kids a Karate Kid before, right? Like, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> so so, in a world where all these movies, uh, especially with have to do with sports, all talk about the underdog and about doing things correctly, and the the bad guy is always the guy that's like not not doing things correctly, right? Like the win it all cause like cutthroat mentality and and all this other stuff. And Duane and I happened to be at a soccer field uh, recently, where uh, the uh, the opposing coach was wearing a, um, a hoodie that said uh, "Strike hard, strike first, no mercy," uh, with a soccer like <laughs> ball on it, and that's the Cobra Kai uh, motto.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and you're like, "Were n't they the bad guy?"
2: Oh, um,
0: wow. so uh, so. <laughs> So that's going to be one of the, our new segments we're going to start talking about in the next couple of weeks. Um, but we want to... Uh, we want to... Two things. One, we want to get your take on this idea that like... So now we have brand new brand new uh, show about about hockey or ice hockey. Brand new show about basketball. Do you think we're ever going to live in a world where we're going to see a soccer... Sh- a show about soccer. Like a true like show about soccer. And also the possibility of like... And I would love to see this, you know, how they came out with last chance, you basketball recently. Um, would, could we, I, I do you think at any point, maybe not last chance you soccer. I don't know if I want to see that side of it. Uh, Cause I might hit too close to home somehow, oh. uh, but like, could we live in a world where some sort of reality soccer show like exist um, and, or, and, or like a scripted show that truly talks about like soccer in general, at the youth level, college level, professional level in the country. And and the second part of this is, what is your favorite soccer movie?
2: Oh wow! Um, well, so I, I guess starting with the first part, I'd say yes. I mean, I think we're already trending in that direction. I mean, first of all, everything is reality TV right now because clearly all of our lives are not entertaining enough. We need to watch somebody else's. So um, yeah, I think it's only a matter of time before you have some type of soccer reality TV show. Um, I think that that it's the market is probably the worldwide market's probably just too big to avoid that. There's going to be. a, poor- a at some now. point. Now. There's
1: probably a tick tock out now. that's a reality, like soccer show.
2: I'm probably. About that. Pro- probably. Um, you know, I, I think, um, and I think you are already seeing it, right? Like the, the, the prime, um, yeah. the prime stuff, like, with uh, with Tottenham, with with Manchester City, India. I mean, you're, Leeds, we're already yeah. yeah, we're already starting to see that, right? Sunderland until I die, all that stuff. Um, but then also I would say, uh, Ted Lasso is, is a oh, script, that's it, true, yeah, that's yeah. true. Ted Lasso is a scripted, a scripted soccer show. So yeah, we're definitely trending in that direction where it's gonna it's gonna happen, and I think it's gonna become more popular. But I also which, think-
0: which one second, like so on Ted Lasso. So I I love the show. I thought it was <laughs> oh like, yeah. Here's the scary part. I found myself, my wife turned to me and she's like, I've heard you say that before. Mm. And and I'm like, Oh man. Like, I don't know if I should take that as a compliment or not.
2: (laughs) Well, you know what, what I will say about Ted Lasso, the thing that I thought was, was really smart about it because I watched the entire first season and I was really impressed. But I think the thing that was smart about it was when you look at some of these other movies or shows that have come out, when you look at like the mighty, like I grew up with the mighty ducks also, but then the karate kid or, um, you know even a true story like miracle yeah. um, these are all these are all stories that are very um, very much so they're not they're not sports stories they're relationship stories that are sport based and yeah. they kind of almost hide the relationship behind the sport i think the really smart thing that ted lasso did was it kind of shows it puts the relationships at the forefront because he's not actually a soccer coach right. and shows that like if you can be a relationship person, you can be successful, which I think is at the core of, of, of reality. When you talk about soccer, I mean um, I feel like we've had some decent success uh, at Delaware. I feel like I've been a decently successful, you know, college coach over 20 years. Um, I don't think I'm the best coach in the country. I don't, (laughs) you know, Uh, there are times where I don't think I'm the best coach on my coaching staff. So it's, you know, it is about relationships and it's how you, about how you drive people and how you tap into people and how much you care about people. And I think that's the really smart thing that Ted Lasso did was they made the sport secondary. They made the relationships primary. Uh, and it was a really interesting way to, to show the same story just in a different way. Right. Um, and so I, I thought that was, was very, very clever. Um,
0: so what about a movie that we can uh, we can add to our list to review. <clears throat> now, I will say that uh, Dwayne's suggestion was Airbud. So right away like I'm not sure how we can relate that to <laughs> to, re- to real soccer cuz I have two dogs and not one of them can can do anything with a soccer ball.
2: Oh, well, I, I, I can do some with a soccer ball. I think um for me there's probably there's probably two that come into play. Uh, one is obviously The Big Green because my kids love The Big Green. We watch it on Disney Plus. They love it. And and anytime they like a movie from like the early 90s or the 80s, I get stoked about it. So uh, happy about that. But then the other one that I would say is a little bit, it, it's not a kid's movie. It's it's Victory. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, have you guys seen Victory? Oh, yeah, I have yeah so that that's a classic i mean any any it's a soccer movie that has pele in it i mean yeah. it can't get better than that right and um,
0: sylvester stallone
2: and sylvester stallone right like what could you ask for that's a, that's the ensemble cast right there and i think michael yeah. Keane, right yeah so you're, i mean the the, the scene where pele is is at the chalkboard and he's like i go here i go here i go here i go here and i score <laughs> yeah and you're just like that's yep that's pretty much the game yeah so, um, that's an incredible movie that, that is, it's an, incre- it's, it's one where I watch it and I'm like, oh man, it's, it's like, it's almost so bad. It's good. Um, so like Harley Davidson and the Marlboro man. So, so bad. they,
0: uh, they, uh, they interviewed, uh, um, Ozi Ardiles who is in the movie and he's Argentinian <clears throat> and, uh, they brought him in to, for the movie and they, so they interviewed and asked him recently about Stallone. And he's like, he had never kicked the soccer ball before that day. He had, he had no idea what to do. Like he had yeah. never.
2: It showed. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so uh great we will we will add we will add that to our list uh of movies uh to to review and, and talk about on the podcast so actually when we when we review that movie we'll bring you on for it like, <laughs> you, you'll come on and talk to talk about it um i don't well, know what
2: much i don't know what more there is to say about it other than about
0: <laughs> that's you. it done like we've already reviewed it we have did our first episode there
1: on- <laughs> we go <laughs>
0: <laughs> we did our first movie review um no, Mike, thanks. We we really appreciate you coming on. Um, anytime we get to, we get to talk to you again. We, I feel like a, we get to know you better, which is, which is always a good thing. Um, and B, we, we get to hear the, again, we, we, we just talked about soccer for 40 minutes and, uh, and I don't know that we actually talked about any actual, like, on the field like ball stuff which
1: say anything about tactics for yeah,
0: which which is which i think is the which i think is the wonderful thing you know you just you said it it's all about relationships Uh that might be the 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 episode the name of the episode today uh episode 41 it's all about relationships uh so um you know i think it's it's fitting or actually this might be episode
1: 42 i don't even know anymore it is 42
0: 42 42 yeah it's uh, perfect we're 10 away from a year we're 10 away from a
1: year Mike, like you know, he already has the reality show kind of started. Like, we kind of already dove into what a reality show is. He posts on Instagram, like we can follow in the meal prep. Like, I think we've already started the show.
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah, let's. I mean, can we turn our podcast into a TV show?
2: I mean, isn't isn't co- the COVID reality that all we have to do is press record on the Zoom and that's our show?
0: That's true. <laughs> that's, that's true. I mean, they made a Netflix show about that, right? They made a Netflix show literally on people recording their Zoom stuff.
2: That's it. Uh, it? uh, Guys, before I, before I bounce out of here, I do want to say, um, you know, Sebastian, we've had conversations about this before, but I've been lucky enough to work with a lot of people over my career. And I've been on a couple of different podcasts and you talk about soccer all the time with your colleagues. I think what you guys have done with this podcast is, is really impressive because I think you do a really good job of, it's not a soccer podcast. Like if, if somebody were to ask me, what is it? I'd say it's not, it, it it's not just a soccer podcast. Soccer is a part of it. Um, kind of like the movies that we were talking about, right? Like karate is a part of the karate kid, but the story is not about karate. Um, this podcast is not, is not just about soccer. And, and I will tell you that there have been times where I have opened up my podcast app. I've listened to an episode that you guys have done with other guests. And there are stories that have personally and emotionally impacted me and, um, just changed my outlook just on that, on that day alone. And, um, so I'm really, I'm appreciative of you guys. I think what you're doing is is such a great thing, allowing people to share their stories, giving them a forum to be their most authentic self. Um, I think that's incredible. And and I think, you know, you guys doing that as well as yourselves, I think it's a great thing too. So I just want to say thanks. Cause I think it's, it's really a it's it's an incredible listen, and it's something that I always tell people about. Anytime I get an opportunity, I'm like, you got to listen to this thing because it's just it's more than just sport. It's a it's a people it's a people podcast.
0: Appreciate that. Like I I, I <laughs> I'm uh I'm I'm <laughs> yeah that that's that. Uh, no, that no,
2: no, no, is very appreciative.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, we really appreciate that. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, man, absolutely.
2: Well, I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me on. All right, we are going to talk about
0: the Europa League and the Champions League.
1: Um, upset. Just say it. It was an upset. They <laughs> slayed the Giants.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. All right, fair enough. It was an upset.
1: They slayed the I mean, they're defending champions.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will, yeah, that, that's fine. I mean, I yeah. And it probably, you know, one nothing for PSG probably was a uh, conservative result, considering how many times Neymar hit the post. Uh yeah, what two in the post and one in the crossbar or something like that, right?
1: Like it was. I was at work. I missed the game.
0: No, for sure, for sure, one in the crossbar and one in the post
1: that I saw, and then yeah, um, he 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 was he was very good. Stop! If he stops getting red carded, he'll get more time on the pitch to be able to put the ball in the back of the net. You That's know, true. there's the yeah. solution, for Neymar.
0: Yeah, granted. I will say that you know Bayern without Lewandowski is a is a different is a different team altogether. So
1: yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's one of the best forwards in the world.
0: Like, yeah, I mean, listen, no, no, <laughs> nothing against Chupa Moting, who scored two goals in two games, but like you're no Lewandowski.
1: Like he was PSG's Lewandowski last year. That's
0: true. Yeah,
1: that's true. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, so. Um, <laughs>
1: Bad
0: yeah. move for his part. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he should have stayed. Uh, yeah, so so now PSG goes and plays City, which is uh, like that. That's gonna be a really interesting game. Um, my dad oh, asked oh, my yeah. dad asked me. He goes, you know, he goes, you think you think City's got it? And I was like, I don't know, man. Like it's gonna be pretty. I I think Phil Foden's gonna like it's gonna be the battle of the young kids. Like it's Foden versus Mbappe. Yeah, Foden versus Mbappe. Like, I think, yeah. I, it just, you don't know where he's going to show up. Like, Foden just sh- is all over the place. Like, and I love it.
1: Foden reminds me of, like, like, a shabby idiot. Like, he is, like, so mature for being, like, 19 years old. He's almost, like, a shabby, idiotic type. Like, <laughs> not, like, specifically that kind of player, but that's, like, yeah. the kind of player he shows.
0: Yeah, I, I, almost, I almost feel like he's very comparable to a, a river where like from a playing perspective like he kind of plays in multiple places has the ability to play on the right on the left he drops back he defends he attacks he can play as a nine like he can play all over the place so like he's he reminds me a little bit of that kind of player um but yeah i mean i think like his added like the fact that he doesn't smile is i mean he did he did yell he did sell go did, his goal celebration was pretty was pretty cool uh going over and hugging pep um But yeah, so I mean, it was it was it was very cool. I I was very was very happy with that goal that he scored, um, just because it was a fantastic goal. The
1: kid is, it's hard. That's why you always
0: send two people to the corner, huh? That's why you always send two people to the corner. Always send two people to the corner. It's in the style of play. It's in the style of play. That's right. Um, So yeah, so Chelsea will play uh, Real Madrid, which will be the so we could have an, an all England final too again.
1: Is Chelsea have to play both, both legs in Spain again, right? Uh, yeah, probably.
0: Well, well, n- no. They just couldn't go to Portugal. They're just gonna go to Portugal. I think they can go to. Well, they obviously they can go to Spain. So I would then assume that Spanish teams can go to England uh, well. to England. Yeah. So so, um, and then Europa League, um, Arsenal like just completely goes uh,
1: bananas and just. Four nothing, they scored four too many goals because they won't be able to score for the next three
0: games.
1: <laughs> well, why is, why do you the, say that? They scored four goals, they won't score a goals, uh, goal for the next three games. Oh, the come on! I'm, I'm, I'm on the Arsenal like beat down on Arsenal. Like, <laughs> why? 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 The fans beat the beat down on themselves. They're like, we're so terrible, we can't score. <laughs> And they go to the Europa League and they beat up all this, like, team from like, Latvia. They're like, oh, we're the best team. Like, we're better than Manchester City. And then they go play Manchester City and get walloped. And then they're like, oh, we're the worst team again. And it's just so funny to watch Arsenal <laughs> fans, man. Like, they have the worst luck. I'll make
0: sure I send this clip to my to, to our buddy Fields.
1: Please. And he probably agrees. He's like, dude, <laughs> like, right now he's on his high horse. They're going to play this weekend and get Wallop, and he's going to be just like, "Oh man, why can't we just play the Europa League year round?" (laughs) Seriously, man, it's funny to watch.
0: Oh man, that's (laughs) yeah, that's
1: pretty funny. Manchester City, you are like, "Hey, you know what? We're going to beat the crap out of everybody else." Like, (laughs) we lost, they lost against Leeds, and then they beat Dortmund. So it's just like, (laughs) we're good. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> um so yeah, so Arsenal goes through vrl uh plays Dinamo Zagreb and uh uh Roma getting through on aggregate, uh beating or tying uh, Ajax, but yeah, and then uh n- no Granada. He couldn't 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 pull off the upset. <laughs> um so now the it's speaking of which, like so the semifinal draw happened this morning. Um, So the semifinals are as following or follows or or are the following Uh, Manchester United against Roma. In England, first in England, first Villarreal against Arsenal in Spain, first.
1: Arsenal, is it uh, Arsenal's old manager at Villarreal? Yeah, Mr. Unai Emery. From the good country of France. France. Uh, I
0: thought you Argentina. No. <laughs> <He's French. laughs> he was Swedish, No. He's French. I'm pretty sure. Mm. Uh, Back now up. you got me, now you got me now you got me questioning myself. Uh, no, I'm pretty sure he is uh um uh, No, he's actually Oh, no, sorry. He's Spanish. My bad. Spanish. He's Spanish. Yeah, he's Spanish.
1: Yep. To the analytics team. Yeah. 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 We, we were in two different countries. Yeah. Yeah, uh my bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um He's actually born in New York City. So.
0: <laughs> he's actually American. True trying to you trying to card him?
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to card him.
0: You're trying to card him. Uh no, no, he's from he's from Spain. What are you talking about? doing? He's not he's not from France. Gosh, get it together. Um So yeah, um and then the women's national team beating France. Like between- 20 minutes, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Uh, first five minutes scored a goal. First 20 minutes scored the second goal. Um, so Alex Morgan back on the, back on the score sheet.
1: Just, just if you saw that last result from the women's team, they were just saying, just so you know, we could turn it up while you, when we feel like it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, Don't sleep.
0: But yeah. Don't sleep on. Yeah. Um, and I think we're going to. I think we know we had it on our on our little uh, little sheet here to talk about El Clásico, but I think we're going to skip El Clásico because there's no need to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to be like the Arsenal fans.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're just going to walk past El Clásico.
0: We're going to talk about Copa del Rey.
1: Yeah, let's talk about the Copa. Del Rey.
0: <laughs> Can we play the Copa del Rey year round? No. <laughs> Um, yeah, so we're just gonna move past that because why not? Uh, all right, uh, Dwayne, who's your player of the match?
1: Phil Foden, Phil Foden, Phil Foden.
0: for that left footed laser,
1: left footed laser. I mean, just like the past couple weeks, you've been watching, you just see that maturity. Like the kid is 19 years old, he plays like he has been. I mean, he has been a professional for like 10 years, but like he's just played like you know, the spotlight's not too big, like he's been there, he's played it. He plays like he's been at five Champions League finals. Yeah, like he's played like he's been through it, and he's still not a everyday starter for City. So, go for it. Even though He's probably my player of the match once a month.
0: I picture, I picture when he goes home, he just sits in a chair and just powers down,
1: and then he wakes up again when it's game time. <laughs> then he just probably just plays video games. Like he looks like the guy that just gets home, puts on his headset, plays video games. Maybe, maybe that's what he does. I just, I
0: don't picture him being very social. Well, he was a social what was it, Iceland or whatever.
2: Yeah, him is, uh, <laughs> Yeah,
0: yeah. Never mind. He was <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um all right, my my player of the match uh is going to be uh Sarah Diapolonia, Gabby Johnson and Lauren Krinsky, uh the all conference players from the University of Delaware. Uh so, and shout out to Maine. Why not? Cuz Sarah's from Maine. So, shout out to Maine. But, Fantastic.
1: One team for me.
0: <laughs> fantastic state. I lived in. I lived in Maine for three summers. It was is absolutely a fantastic state. Um, Never been. I think oh, I've lobster. Uh, I don't know. Only eat lobster, but I love the state. We got a lot of moose out there. Moose. Moose. Got a lot of moose. Uh, all right, we're gonna do an on this day in history. Um, on this day in soccer history, so. Um, do you do you remember a couple weeks ago when we had Mike Welsh on from Steel United PA? Yes. Remember one of his players, the or one of his like three favorite soccer players? Yes. Duncan Ferguson, who played at Everton. Yes. So before Duncan, guy,
1: right? Huh. Red card guy,
0: right? <clears throat> Red card guy. Yeah. So before before good old Duncan played at, at Everton, uh, he had a, he had a stint at Rangers, uh, and he was the first professional football player in history. To uh, in, in England to be jailed after an incident on the football pitch, uh, so in a Scottish league match at uh Ebrox on April 16th, 1994, he headbutted uh, a player from the Wraith Rovers, uh, he headbutted Jock McStay, and uh, it wasn't caught by the officials, so like he didn't get a red card or anything like that, but it was caught on camera and uh he ended up being found guilty of it and charged with assault um so he had to serve 44 days in prison um and right after that he went to everton like literally right after he got out of prison uh he went to everton so um i don't really know how much of a coincidence was that he went from from prison to everton uh and how that relates to the fact that uh Mike Welsh from Steel United PA really loves him as a as a player, but uh, but yeah, a little, little throwback to good old Duncan Ferguson.
1: So we need to put out an arrest warrant for Zidane. Um, <laughs> I think he got away with one there.
0: No, I mean, he he got thrown out, so I guess he served his. Uh, you know, he you know punishment fit the punishment
1: crime. For Can you imagine, like, say the podcast with international, right? On the Real Madrid sideline, they're like, hey, we got to question you for headbutton. <laughs> this guy like 15 years ago.
0: <laughs> yeah. So uh, fair play of the week. Uh, who do you have?
1: I'm going to give a out to Delaware Union Pathway. Um, you know, you, Chad, and I were discussing earlier this week. We've got, I think, four players from our 2003 girls team that are playing at the next level, four out of nine. So mm-hmm. it's pretty good. Um, I know you had some su- success last year with some of your 2001 girls going on to play the next level. So, I mean, you know, we are kind of, like, the results are there, right? The kids are going, they're developing, they're ending up being, you know, lifelong fans. You have players coming back to coach. We now have the women's team, so we have players coming back for that. And we also have players that are still referee that you know they don't play anymore at all. So I think you know the pathways there. Um, and I think as we continually develop the pathway can end up in other ways as well. Like, you know, Matt Ralph is a perfect example. Maybe we have yeah. kids go on to be journalists or TV producers or stuff like that. So, you know, pathways there. It's exciting to see it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, mine is going to go to UEFA. And, um, in, and in mine is like, they, I think UEFA is going to get my half fair player of the week. Um, like, like, in half meaning that, like, while I appreciate the effort and sentiment, I think that, like, we're still not there yet. So UEFA uh, handed out a 10-match ban to Odridge Kudela uh, from um, from Slavia Prague. So if you remember, we talked about this in the podcast when they played Rangers. Uh, there was a, a racist remark that was made by, by a Slavia, Prague, Slavia Prague player to Glenn Kamara from rangers um so so they they gave him a, a 10 match 10 game match ban um and then camaro has four games that he has to miss because he assaulted uh Kudela back um so while i appreciate the sentiment i think it's good we're heading in the right direction i don't like get it you're off for 10 games so i probably close as that closes out the majority of the rest of the year for this guy um but almost not like not enough like we can't continue to a lot like like that's got to be the like and now that's where the bar is at the bottom of it like now we got to raise it like now can we make sure that this stuff doesn't happen it's not like oh well if it happens i just have to serve any granted 10 matches is a, is a lot um and enough of these like you know $25,000 $2,500 fines and stuff like that like <laughs> Let's 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 be proactive with some things and stuff like that,
1: and and let's shows sure. are going towards the right direction. I mean, with the teams leaving the field, yep. Um, you like in unison, like even though, like you know, some teams don't, some teams do. You know, I think a lot of the bigger clubs are the teams that are in unison and leaving the field, like, and that shows, you know, your wafer. It's like, hey, you know. You know, you do have little clubs, but the big clubs are the ones that, you know, people tune in to watch. So if they're leaving the field, you're going to start losing TV money. So you need to do something about it.
0: Yeah.
1: I think 10 matches also is, you know, a lot of matches. If you're missing 10 matches, like you're hurting your team more. Yeah. than just losing that one game, right? Like you lose that one game, you can bounce back or, you know, there's always, the grass is always greener later, but. You have a player out for ten minutes, ten matches. Like, really hurts your team.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, hopefully, we're heading in the right direction, and and we're we're going to be doing things correctly from now on. And where we don't like, this is not something that becomes the normal. This is not something that we're going to continue to talk about. At some point, I want us to get to a point where it, it's, it's we don't talk about it because it's not something that happens. So that's what I want. Um, well. Um, yeah, that's, that was it. 42, 42 episodes, 42 episodes. Still, still love the fact that we do this every Friday morning.
1: Still have yet to get one of our most anticipated guests onto the podcast.
0: I, I almost thought about it. Maybe next week. Maybe we can try for next week. Let's do it let's do it let's do it let's do it all right well thanks for joining us this week and remember always receive the ball on your front foot